are. That question is identity shaping, life altering. I'm so excited about the book of Ephesians because there's so much doctrinal truth and practical truth in this book. This is a letter that's 2,000 years old, but it's just as practical and applicable to us today. Paul wrote this letter to believers, and he wrote to believers who didn't fully understand everything they were and what they possessed spiritually in Christ. And Paul, throughout this letter, is going to help us fill in the I am blank, understanding who we are in Christ. And today he starts out with this, I am blessed. And we're blessed to bless him. Our identity, what we have in Christ and the blessings, should affect our activity. Because of your identity and because we're blessed, there's only one activity that makes sense, and that's to praise and worship the blesser that has blessed us. Isn't it great to be appreciated? Say yes. And isn't it a bummer when you're not? appreciated. Let, let me ask you, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever felt unappreciated? Raise your hand. Raise them up high. Wow, that's about everybody. Well, then this message is for you today. If you've ever felt unappreciated, hopefully you'll t- leave today feeling appreciated. Um, you know, sometimes we feel unappreciated. Maybe our boss, you know, didn't tell us he appreciated what we did. Maybe he doesn't notice our hard work. Maybe we don't feel appreciated by our spouse or our kids. Uh, parents, do you ever feel unappreciated? Say Amen. Yeah, you know what it's like to be that. Maybe, maybe even a friend. Maybe you've done something for a friend and you don't ever feel like you're appreciated. Here's the danger when we go through periods of our life and seasons where we feel unappreciated. When we start feeling unappreciated, we tend to grumble. Well, we tend to compete with other people for appreciation. We tend to get bitter because we're not appreciated. And, you know, I've experienced some times like that in my life and ministry. This isn't one of those times. Um, Shelly and I, our family, for eight years here at Orchard Church, have felt very appreciated. Um, it's, it's great to get the little email appreciations or a Facebook post. I, I even had someone last week that, that is a cat lover, sent me a good, encouraging email. <laughs> Said they weren't leaving the church, but they, they sent me all the reasons why cats are so great. So... I didn't believe it, but I appreciated the email, and, and, and they said that they, they liked the message anyway, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, early on in my ministry, when I was pastoring my first church, you know, Shelly and I, we were, we were trying to do all these things to reach people for Christ and help this church grow and love on these people, and we went through a period of time where we were feeling pretty down, uh, pretty, pretty discouraged in ministry and un- unappreciated, and I remember I got this card from a couple in our church, and I don't, I don't know if they knew we were kind of down or discouraged or not, but they sent me this card and just saying how much they appreciated us and our ministry there and being their pastor. And in it, they had kind of this poem this, this, that was written. It was actually written by Theodore Roosevelt many years ago. And they had put that in this card. And a few years later, Shelly knew how much that meant to me. I carried it around in my Bible. She had it framed for me, and it's been hanging in my office ever since for about the last 15 years. And I want to read it to you. It's called Dare Mighty Things by Theodore Roosevelt. And it says, In the battle of life, it is not the critic who counts, nor the one who points out how the strong person stumbled, or where the doer of the deed could have done better. The credit belongs to the person who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming. Who does actually strive to do deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, spends oneself in a worthy cause. 
who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he or she fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those timid spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. I love that. That's encouraging. That's called Dare Mighty Things. If you Google it, it's by, by Theodore Roosevelt, if you want to copy. And that came in a time of my life where I was discouraged and I felt very appreciated when I got that card and I, and I got that uh, piece that she wrote and, and gave that to me. Today, as we continue our series in Ephesians, we're, we're talking about who do you think you are. That's the name of our series. And we're learning about our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. And, and Paul told us last week that you are blessed. Today, he's going to tell you this, you are appreciated. I am appreciated. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, I am appreciated. Now, hopefully, before you leave today, maybe even the person next to you said, I do appreciate you, you know. But hopefully before you leave today, you'll not just say those empty words, but you'll feel appreciated. You know, we live in a difficult world where there's a lot of criticism. We don't always feel uh, appreciated. And and maybe you're in a season of your life right now that maybe you're a little discouraged like I was. Maybe you don't feel appreciated. Well, what do you do when that happens? Well, Paul has some words to help us that he wrote to the church there in Ephesus. So if you haven't already turned your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we looked at verses 1 through 14 last week. We pick it up in verse 15 today, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. And Paul says to the the believers in Ephesus, therefore, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, your love for the believers in the church, I do not cease to give thanks for who? For you. Paul says, I'm giving thanks for you. Paul's saying, I appreciate you, but he's not just saying, I appreciate you. He's saying, Jesus appreciates you. Have you ever heard that? That Jesus appreciates you? He, he does. But let's remember when Paul was writing this letter, this wasn't just Paul's idea to sit down and write this letter. This was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the way we believe all of our Bible was written. It's God-breathed, it's God-directed, and God laid it on Paul's heart to write this letter of encouragement and appreciation to the church in Ephesus. So not only is Paul saying, I appreciate you, he's saying, Jesus appreciates you. He appreciates you. There's probably someone in here this morning, you needed to hear that. That could be life-changing. You know, we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays, not just because I like turkey, but because I, I like to, to be thankful, like to give thanks. And, you know, at Thanksgiving, we thank, you know, God for our job and our house and our health and our family, and, and we should. Those are all important. But we should also show gratitude and thanksgiving for the people that God has brought into our, our lives. And thankful for the fact that Jesus appreciates us we appreciate him because he's blessed us and now Paul's saying and he appreciates you I mean how might your day in your life be radically changed by understanding that Jesus pays attention to your life and that he appreciates you we believe here at this church in what's called the doctrine of the teaching of the omniscience of God that God is omniscient if you've ever heard of that say yes God's omniscient what does that mean it means God is all-knowing God is all all-seeing and, you know, and, and I think sometimes we think of that only in the negative. You know, God is all-knowing, so you better behave. You know, he's got his little surveillance camera, and he's watching every detail of your life, so you better not step out of bounds. You know, we think of God sometimes like Santa. You know, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. You better be good. That's a creepy song if you ever think about the lyrics, you know? <laughs> There's this old guy that's, anyway, that's something else. But not only 
does God see when we mess up? But here's the good news. Because God is omniscient, he sees the good that we do. He sees our obedience. He sees our service toward him. He sees our praise and worship. Hopefully this morning, you know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. That God has shown up and said, oh man, there's a lot of people that are they're there. They're praising me. They're worshiping me. And I, I see that. I hear that. God sees your generosity, your tithes, your offerings, your giving. God sees your sacrifices that you make for him. And he appreciates that. He appreciates you. We're getting ready to do something uh, that's our second time to do this. We, we did it two years ago. We're doing it again tomorrow night. We're going to have a big banquet. We, we are blessed. There's a, a family in our church that owns Stonebrook Manor, and they are donating a whole night for us to have an appreciation banquet for all the people that serve on a regular basis here at Orchard Church. There's going to be about 250, 300 people at this banquet. And it's a way for us as a church to say, we appreciate you. We appreciate your service. And not only do we appreciate it, but Jesus appreciates it. I told you last week, this is kind of a theme that's going to run throughout this series in Ephesians. And you have it in your notes. Your identity should affect your activity. Paul's trying to help us understand our identity in Christ. Our identity. Your identity, when you understand who you are and what you have in Christ, it should affect your life and your activity. So that brings us to this question today. How does my identity that I am appreciated by Jesus... How should that affect my activity? How does being appreciated affect us? I want to give you three ways that Paul talks about here. Number one, appreciated people exchange their grumbling for praying. When you're appreciated, you stop grumbling and you start praying. Look at what Paul says in the second part of verse 16. He he says, "I, I don't stop praying, thanking God for you, making mention of you in my what? In my prayers. Paul says, I'm praying for you. You know, unappreciated people tend to grumble, you know, grumble about their boss, grumble about their kids, you know, but why don't people ever see what I do? Why don't they ever notice what I do? Why don't they ever appreciate it? So how do you stop grumbling? You do what Paul did. You start praying. You pray instead of grumble. You see, grumbling is when we talk about people to other people. Praying is when you talk to Jesus about people. Let me say that again. Grumbling is when, you, when we talk about people to other people, but praying is when you talk to Jesus about people, when you pray for other people. Now, when I'm talking about praying here, I'm not talking about, okay, there's these people that don't appreciate me, so I'm going to pray to you, Jesus, bring hellfire and brimstone down upon them because they don't appreciate me. That's not the kind of praying we're talking about. We're talking praying a prayer of gratitude. You, you think about Paul. Paul, humanly speaking, when you know what's going on in Paul's life and what has been going on in his life, For the sake of trying to share the gospel, Paul had every reason to grumble. Paul, remember when Paul wrote this letter? Help me out, church, from last week. Where was Paul writing this letter from? Prison. That's an opportunity to grumble. He could be grumbling about being in prison. And why is he in prison? He's not there because he got a DUI. He's not there because he capped somebody. He's not there because he knocked off a liquor store. (laughs) Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he could have been complaining and moaning and groaning and grumbling, but he's not. He's praying. We also know that history tells us that Paul was not married. He could have been grumbling about that. Amen, single people? See, you even grumbled when you say, amen, yeah. But he's not grumbling. Paul, we know that as he shared the gospel, Paul was poor, Paul was beaten, Paul was shipwrecked, Paul was homeless, Paul was left for dead. But Paul is not grumbling, he's praying for these people in Ephesus. He's exchanging grumbling for praying, and he's praying for others. You know why he's doing this? Because he feels appreciated. 
He knows his identity in Christ is that Jesus appreciates and he sees all of my efforts and all of my service and all of my sacrifice. And when you feel appreciated, you show appreciation. And he's showing appreciation and thankfulness for those in Ephesus. Now, I could get really preachy this morning and I could you know, get real loud and say, you know, church, you need to stop your grumbling. And you'd say, stop your yelling. We all have things to work on. But here's the key. When you know that Jesus loves you, and you know that he cares for you, and you know that he pays attention to your life, and that he really appreciates you, you stop your grumbling, and you start praying. It's, it's, it's life-changing. So no, number one, appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Number two, appreciated people exchange competing for celebrating. Competing for celebrating. I'll explain that in just a moment. Look at verse 17, what Paul says. And now he says, I'm praying for you. What's he praying? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He says, I want, you to, I want you to know Jesus in a greater way. And I'm also praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That's what we just sang about this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to know you better. I want to understand my identity in Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. And, and what else does he want their eyes to be open and understand? That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We talked about that last week. And what is the exceeding greatness of his, help me church, power. Everybody say power. That you would know the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. He says, that's what I want you to know. That's what I want you to experience. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in, now he's going to illustrate that power. How powerful is Christ's power? It's which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's a lot of power. You can raise somebody from the dead. Jesus raised himself from the dead. And he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. And the right hand was always a position of authority and power. Paul desperately wanted the believers in the church of Ephesus, he wanted them to know how powerful Jesus wanted to be in their life. He wanted them to know his power. He wanted them to experience his power and what he could do, what only he could do in their life, in them and through them in a supernatural way. Now, verse 19, when he uses this word power two times, it comes from the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamo or dynamite. Or if you grew up in my generation, you'd say it, dynamite. Y'all, some of y'all remember Jimmy Walker? Good times, okay? Ten of you, cool, all right. I just dated myself. And he, he's saying that the power of Christ in your life is, is like dynamite. It's dynamic. What he wants to do in you and through you, he wants you to experience this. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with being appreciated and exchanging competing for celebrating? Well, think about it. If you don't feel appreciated, you become competitive. And you try to accomplish things in your own power instead of celebrating Christ's power working in and through your life. If you understand the difference, say yes. And he's saying you don't have to try to make things happen and manipulate the situation and get people's attention so they'll appreciate you. Just let Christ work in and through you and know that even if nobody else sees or appreciates you, Jesus does. Jesus does. And he's the one that matters most. You see, we sometimes, we, we feel unappreciated. You know, in the workplace, you know, see somebody get that promotion that we didn't get or that award or, or the raise or the trophy or they got the employee of the month, Parkinson's butt. 
And I didn't get it. So I'm going to make it happen next month. I'm going I'm to outperform them. And I'm going to, so I can be appreciated and I can hear appreciation. We, we see this happen in families. We call it sibling rivalries. You know, a brother or sister not feeling as appreciated the other, so they're going to try to compete for appreciation. We see it sometimes in marriages. And sadly, we sometimes even see it in churches. Somebody gets an accolade or, or a position that somebody else doesn't get and somebody gets jealous. You guys certainly see this in the workplace. And there's this unhealthy kind of ugly competition that starts happening among people because we're desperately wanting to be appreciated by others. And it can be unhealthy. I wonder if there's going to be any unhealthy competition tonight around 6.30. I'm just, or maybe healthy competition tonight. And listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to call it right now, 30-20 Broncos. Okay, write it down. That's what I'm saying right now. I'm going out on faith. Now, and I want to tell you guys, there's, 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 one, uh, one guy on our leadership team at Orchard Church that is a diehard Chiefs fan has been his whole life. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but his initials are Barry Hughes. And so <laughs> you might want to just have a word with him, you know, today. And, uh, and, and you know, we're talking about be, feeling appreciated. Uh, there's a member of our church that has season tickets to the Broncos, and he... Uh, said, hey, I want to take you to a Broncos game this year. You pick which one. And I'm like, how about Kansas City? He goes, okay. So I, I feel very appreciated today. I'm going to be at the game tonight. woo And so is Barry. Somebody gave him it, and so I'm going to give him a hard time. So we'll have fun with that. Back to the message. we got to get back to spiritual things. So Paul's saying here that, that, that you, you wanna, he wants you to feel, he goes, I'm praying that you'll know the power of Christ working in and through your, your life and what he can do. But what's the key to this? What's the key to experience his power in your life? There's two things. Verse 17, he says this, that the God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. If you want to experience his power in your life, you want to know it, you got to know him better. You've you got to know Jesus better. You've got to grow in your relationship with him. You've got to know what he's doing and how much he appreciates you and, and how he feels about you. That This is why we do expositional, verse-by-verse teaching here at Orchard Church. As we go through the Bible and, and you understand everything about Jesus and what, how he thinks towards you and what he believes about you. And Paul's telling us here that you're appreciated. This is why it's important to be in a small group so you can learn more about Jesus and, and the Bible and what he wants to do in your life. This is why discipleship is so important, where you're able to meet with somebody one-on-one and they're to take you by the spiritual hand and help you grow in your personal relationship with Christ. This is why it's important we have our own personal time with the Lord because that's how he reveals himself. Through his word, he reveals himself to us and we grow to know him better and know that he appreciates us and he loves us. Um, I got this Facebook post this week and it was, it was an encouragement to me. Um, I had given a challenge earlier this year and I'll give it again this next year for 2014 to, to take the challenge to read through your Bible this year. If you'll read about 15, 20 minutes a day, every day, for 365 days, you can read through the entire Bible. And someone in our church took this challenge, and she posted this on her Facebook page this week. She said, in early January 2013, I set on a goal to read the entire Bible and complete it by the end of the year. This morning, I completed my goal. I am profoundly thankful and blessed for his written word, set out for any of us to read it if we wish. I learned so much more I didn't know before. Although I have reached my goal, my reading of the Bible will not stop here. I'm going to keep reading and learning as there is so much to learn and so many areas to spend time with to truly try to understand what it says and where the application is supposed to apply to my life. God is so good. Isn't that awesome? 
Somebody taking that challenge to read through the Bible, and what did she say? I grew through that. I understood more about Christ. And that's what Paul is praying here, that we would get to know Jesus in a more personal and intimate way. And not only that we get to know more about him and understand our identity, but not just knowing about him, but experiencing his power. That's what he says in verse 9. I want you to know his power. I want you to experience his power toward us, toward you in your life. Because when you experience his power working in and through your life, you don't have to try to compete with other people and compete for appreciation. That you would experience his power in your workplace, in your work ethic. That you would experience his power working in and through your marriage. You try to do your marriage in your own way, in your own power, you're going to fail. You allow Jesus Christ to lead and be in the middle of that marriage and his power, it can change everything. That you experience his power through your finances, that you do things in a godly, biblical way, that you put him first, that you experience his power in your health needs. You, you experience the power of prayer. Do you believe in the power of prayer, church? We do. I, I certainly do. And when you pray and you're specific with your prayers, and I would even encourage you to journal your prayers, write them down so that when God answers your prayers, you're able to check them off. And every time you check that prayer off that he's answered, you just experience the power of God in your life. And what he can do. And you can celebrate that. We, we pray for you guys and we, we pray for our team here at Orchard Church. We have our team meeting, our leadership team, um, every Tuesday. And the first thing we do is we pray. And we've been praying for, for Gary, our, our worship director. We've been praying for him for uh, about six months. Uh, when he came to us, it'll be two years in January. And aren't, aren't we grateful to have Gary as our worship leader? I mean, wow. We are so blessed. And... He took a huge step of faith to come and be a part of our church because he owned a home in Florida in a time when the housing market there has dropped by 30, 40, 50%. And he could have said, well, you know, I got to sell my house first or I got to get it rented out to come, but you know, that's not faith. He was like, I know God is calling me to Orchard Church to be a part of this ministry and so I'm going to step out on faith and, and God's just going to have to take care of it. They tried to get the house rented out. They could have got it rented out, but they'd have been losing about four or $500 a month on rent because the, the market was just so bad. So finally, they, you know, we started praying that they would sell the house. Didn't know if they were going to be able to sell it and knew if they did sell it, there was going to be a huge shortfall between what they owed you know, to the bank and what they could sell it for. It was probably $40,000, $50,000. And we started praying and, and believing in the power of God that he could do something. And so the good news was finally they were able to get it right before foreclosure. They, they were able to get it on a short sale. And somebody was going to buy it on a short sale. So that was prayer number one. At least they were going to get it sold. Amen. But there was going to be about $40,000 that they were going to owe, the difference. And so we started praying. And, 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 you know, Gary never freaked out. He was like, it's going to be okay. God's going to take care of it one way or another. It's, it's going to be okay. Praise God, we got it sold. And so they started working with the bank. It was going to be $40,000. And then the bank said, well, you know, you have been paying this wonderful PMI, you know, mortgage insurance that we all love to pay, Right. And they said, that's going to take care of some of it. And so that was another answer prayer. Blessing, great. Well, we're not going to owe 40000 And he was like, well, what are we going to owe? And they said, probably seven to 10000 And he was like, oh, well, praise God. That's a lot better than not getting it sold. And that's a lot better than $40,000. And so they were celebrating that. And we said, well, let's just keep praying. And let's see what God might do with that seven to $10,000. And then he got a call from the bank a couple of weeks ago. And they said, well, we got some interesting news for you, Mr. Durbin. Um, we got your PMI back, and it was much more than we anticipated. You only owe $900. Oh, that's not the end. Hang on. Hold your applause. 
And they said, half of that's interest, so the, that's a wash. I went to my manager for the other 500, and the manager said, tell the Durbin family, Merry Christmas. Is God good or what? That is the power of Christ working in your life. And when you know Jesus and you experience his power in your life, you, you don't have to compete. You don't have to try to make things happen. You get to celebrate. Celebrate what he's doing in your life and then celebrate what he's doing in other people's lives. You don't have to be jealous. When God blesses somebody else, you celebrate that. Appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying, competing for celebrating. And number three, appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Bitterness for thankfulness. Paul goes on to say in verse 21, talking about Jesus, he says he's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, that the name of Jesus is above every other name, not only right now in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under Jesus' feet. Everything is under him. And he gave Jesus to be the head over all things to, to where? To the church, to us, to God's family, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul's saying here, there is no name that is higher and more important and more powerful than the name of Jesus. It's the name that we're going to praise and worship for all eternity. Paul, Paul said, I believe in Philippians, that one day every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings to the glory of the Father. Now, what does that have to do with us appreciation? When you think life is about your name, it's easy to get bitter. When you think life is all about me, myself, and I. But when you realize it's about Jesus and his people and his name, you get thankful. You don't get bitter. You get thankful. You see, when we're unappreciated, we, we think things and say things like, well, they didn't say this about me, or they didn't say that about me, or they didn't do this for me, or they didn't do that for me. Why is that person healthy and I'm sick? Why are they married and I'm single? Why did they get the promotion and I got, the determin I got terminated? You know, why, why does everybody love them and they don't even notice me? And if we're not careful, it becomes all about our name instead of his name. And again, I could get real preachy right now. I could say, church, don't get bitter. And you could say, don't be short. And neither are helpful. <laughs> neither solve anything. Here's the key. Paul's trying to help us understand our identity, who we are in Christ. And the key is you exchange bitterness for thankfulness. You live for the name that is above all names. You live for the name of Jesus and for his people, the church. And again, Paul could have been bitter. This letter would have been... So different if he would have allowed bitterness and resentment and discouragement to come to his life. He was writing from prison. He had every reason humanly to be bitter. But instead of being bitter about being in prison, Paul was thankful. He was thankful. You know why? Because Paul wanted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone that he could. And so he's going town to town sharing the gospel. and People are getting saved and churches are started. Then they throw him into prison. Guess what? He's got a brand new audience. People that he otherwise would not have been able to rub shoulders with and share the gospel. I mean, we could say he had a captive audience. Yeah, I know. It's kind of bad. But it's true. And instead of getting bitter, he was thankful. Now I can share the gospel with all these people I'm in prison with. And there's something else I believe Paul was thankful for instead of bitter. Think of this, church. If Paul had not been thrown into a Roman prison, he probably would have traveled 
as was his custom, back to Ephesus at some point to preach a message and encourage the believers in Ephesus. Because he started that church some 10 years before this letter. But because he was in prison, he wasn't able to bodily go back to Ephesus. So instead, he penned a letter that not only showed appreciation and encouragement to a church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, but we can thank God that happened because now we are able to study it at Orchard Church 2,000 years later. Is God good or what? And Paul's thankful for this because it made its way into our scriptures. And he wasn't bitter, he was thankful. And if you and I would be concerned primarily about the name of Jesus and the well-being of the church, God's people, it would safeguard our hearts from bitterness. From bitterness. Paul was an encourager. Don't, don't you love being around encouragers? I mean, I, I do. I mean, if you, you want to have more influence, you want to have more friends, be an encourager. Look for ways to appreciate people. Lift them up and encourage them. And Paul is writing this letter and he's saying, Jesus appreciates you. I appreciate you. Jesus appreciates you. He appreciates your obedience, your service, your praise, your, your worship. Now, God is wanting the church at Ephesus to know this, but they're using Paul. God is using Paul to get this message out. And just like Jesus used Paul to get the message of appreciation to the church at Ephesus... God wants to use us to get his message of appreciation out to the people in the sphere of our influence, the people in our family, people in our neighborhood, the people in our workplace, the people in our church. Paul loved to make deposits of encouragement into people's lives. You see, when we criticize people, we make withdrawals. But when we appreciate people, we make deposits. We make deposits in their life. As Thanksgiving is right around the corner, let me ask you this question. Who do you need to thank? Who do, who does, how does God want to use you to show appreciation to someone in your life? And right now, as the Holy Spirit of God lays someone on your heart, I want you to write that one or two or three people on your blank there in your notes. I want you to write it down right now. Who do you need to appreciate? Who do you need to thank? Can you imagine... Excuse me. Imagine <coughs> how encouraging it would have been for that church in Ephesus to receive a personal letter from the Apostle Paul himself, the man that came to their pagan city and led so many people to Christ and their lives were changed, the man that discipled them, the man that was with them two to three years and, now, and has gone all around, has written over half the New Testament. He, he took time to sit down and write them a personal letter to tell them how much they were loved and appreciated. That would have meant the world to them. And I would say to you, who in your life do you need to do that for? Who, who in your life do you need to look in the eyes and say, listen, we've been studying the book of Ephesians and, and Apostle Paul wrote a letter of encouragement and appreciation. And you know what? God laid you on my heart. And it would mean just as much to them as it did the church in Ephesus. God laid you on my heart to say, I, I love you, I appreciate you, I, I'm thankful for you, you're, you're, you're special to me. Who, who do you need to call? Who do you need to send an email to? And, and, and allow God to use you like he did Paul to show appreciation. Your appreciation and his appreciation. And as we close this this morning, you know, here's who God laid on my life. He laid you guys on my life. He laid you guys on my heart. Orchard Church, to say to you guys, you know, it's, it's, it's been eight years since this church started in our living room. I just want to tell you guys from, from myself, from Shelly, my wife, from my family, that we love you guys. 
We, we appreciate you guys. I know what it's like to be a part of a church that you don't feel that. We've always felt that here. We, we appreciate being a part of everything that God has done, is doing, and will do here at Orchard Church. We're, we're having the time of our life. We were having a blast. And, and it's because of so many of the things that you guys, that you guys do. And not, not just because you say appreciation, but the way you've responded to Christ and his word. The way you guys come in here on Sunday wanting and expecting to worship God and not just go through the motions. The way that you guys come in here expecting to hear the word of God, excited to study God's word, to take notes, and you look forward to that. You know, not every church preaches through the Bible, you know, verse by verse and book by book. That's something God laid on our heart when we started Orchard Church. And this is the truth. I had a couple of pastors, pastors, tell me, if you're going to try and start a church and grow a church just by preaching through books of the Bible, it's probably not going to happen. You'll gather a few people, but that's not really what people want. They're, they're not going to show up just to study books of the Bible. Well, eight years later, last Sunday, in three services, on a regular Sunday, we had the largest attendance we've ever had. Over 1,100 people came to hear God's word, verse by verse. So, and, and more importantly, 12 people raised their hand to put their faith in Christ last Sunday. And that happens every week. That happens every week. And listen, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, we don't take that for granted. We do not take that for granted, what God is doing and the part that you guys have in that. We, we're thank, I thank you guys and appreciate your prayers. Uh, I, I know many of you are praying for me. You're praying for our staff, for our leadership team. You're praying for our church. So many of you are great to bring your friends, your family members, and invite them to come to church and hear about Christ and what he wants to do in their life. Um, I call every week. I want you to know this. I call every guest personally that comes to our church. I call them, and I just thank them for coming. If you fill out a card and you give us a phone number, I just call and just, you know, a lot of times I get an answering machine, but I say, hey, it's Pastor Doug from Orchard Church. Just want to thank you again for being our guest. And on those guest cards, I'm seeing more often than not, what I'm seeing is, how did you hear about Orchard Church? My friend brought me. My family member brought me. My neighbor brought me. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Jesus appreciates that. You know, we got Christmas coming up. It's a time, you know, we, we got the EC time, you know, Easter Christmas Christians coming up. So that's okay. Get them here. What we find is a lot of times they come and they go, wow, I actually kind of like that. I might come back and, and invite them. And, we, and we, we're thankful for that, that you guys are we're sharing ministry together, and we, we appreciate that. And, and I also want to say this uh, publicly. Um, and I'm going to try not to cry. I cried in the first service. I'll try not to this time. But I appreciate my wife, uh, Shelly. Um, I could not have started this church without her by my side. And not, not only has she been a support, but she's been a partner in ministry with me. She's been a teammate with me. I, I could have never stepped out on faith and done this without her. And not only do I appreciate my wife, but I appreciate my kids. Um, here we go. When we started this church eight years ago, Caleb was 10 years old. Caitlin was 8 years old. She's now 16 and Caleb's 18 and about to graduate from this high school. And they've been a part of our team. You know, everything we've gone through, they've gone through. They've prayed with us. And I've told my kids over and over, I said, listen, you guys can never, ever doubt the power of God in your life when you've watched firsthand everything God has done from our living room to now. All the people that have accepted Christ, been baptized, been discipled, the growth of our church, you guys have seen it firsthand. But I thank God for my kids who have not resented this. They've been a part of this. 
with us together. And I thank God for our leadership team. God has assembled a great team here. Our team is growing as our church is growing. Be praying for us. We've got some positions to fill and, and things we're looking at. But uh, don't you appreciate our leadership team here at Orchard Church? And I, um, I, I just want you guys to know, and, and I, I just keep pinching myself that I'm able to have the privilege to be a part of this with you guys. And, and you, you guys are easy to love. You guys are easy to preach to. You guys are easy to minister to. And uh, as much as God has done, I mean, if, if it all stopped now, it's been amazing. But I believe the best is even yet to come. And I just want you guys to know from the bottom of my heart as your pastor, I love you, I appreciate you, and Jesus appreciates you. Let's bow for prayer. As we uh, reflect on this message this morning, I, I want to ask you as believers in Jesus Christ right now, would you just... Uh, First, tell Jesus how much you appreciate him and what he's done in your life. And, and then thank God for the people that he's put in your life that you appreciate. And for those of you that maybe today you, you came in here and you've been, you know, grumbling, competing, maybe even a little bitter, pray that the Lord would help you to exchange those things. Grumbling for praying and competing for celebrating and bitterness for thankfulness. Ask him to help you. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, you'd say, you know, I need you to hear this message, and I want to make sure that I apply this to my life, and it's spoken to me about appreciation. Can I pray for you all across the auditorium? Would you just lift up your hand for prayer? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, many hands. Thank you. Lord, I thank you. We first appreciate you. We appreciate what we read in verse 1 through 14 last week, that we're blessed. And now we are thankful that you appreciate us and that we can appreciate others. And, and Lord, help us to show appreciation and thankfulness for the people that are encouragement in, in our life. Help us, Lord, like Paul, to make deposits and not withdrawals. We live in a very critical, difficult, discouraging world. And may we as Christians be marked and known as people of thankfulness and appreciation and love and grace and mercy that you extend to us, that we would extend it to, to others. I thank you, Lord, for this church and for all these people that we so love and appreciate. I, I thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be their pastor and to be a part of what you're doing here. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you never received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, listen. In order for you to appreciate others, you first need to appreciate what Jesus has done for you. When you appreciate what he's done for you and you experience that in your life, you're able to share it with others. And the, and the most important thing we need to appreciate that Christ has done for us is that he died for us. He went to the cross and he gave his body and his blood and he was crucified that we might have a relationship with him, that we might have eternal life, that we might have a home in heaven. And if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that today. You can do it today right where you sit. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith, a prayer that you can pray from your heart to Christ and invite him to be your Lord and Savior and appreciate what he did for you. It's not the prayer you pray. It's not the magic, some magic words that gives you eternal life, but it's the belief and faith in your heart where the prayer comes from. And if you're ready to invite him into your life today, would you just quietly from your seat right there, from your heart to God's, would you pray this prayer with me if you mean it? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me, that you paid the price for my sins. And Jesus, by faith, I accept you today into my life as my personal Lord and Master. 
and Savior. And I appreciate what you did for me. And I want to experience it in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time and you meant it, listen, I don't want to embarrass anybody. No one looking around for a moment but me. But would you just slip up your hand? Because I want to pray for you personally. I want to thank God this morning. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, today I prayed that prayer of faith for the first time to invite Jesus into my life. Anyone else? Thank you. Let me pray for you. Lord, I am thankful and grateful for those putting their faith and trust in you today. We pray that they would grow as Paul prayed for in their knowledge of you, their, their experience of you, your power working in their life. We pray that we would, as a church family, we would take them by the spiritual hand. We would help them grow and mature in Christ and disciple them. And Lord, we're, we're just thankful for their decision today. We're thankful that you died on the cross. Lord, we appreciate you and what you've done for us. And may we show that same appreciation to others that you've brought into our life. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing here and that we can be a part of it. And we just praise your name for all these wonderful things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate Decisions for Christ this morning.